Hi everyone and welcome to Match Made in Madness where every episode is a mad but healthy discussion about the anime community. My name is Kay and Rai, otherwise known as Rai for short. I'm a cosplayer and professional makeup artist as well as your resident Bishonen appreciator. And I'm Maya Chito, I'm a freelance interpreter and translator. I pretty much game and watch anime for work and live my days off reading manga. So every episode at Match Made in Madness, we'll be dissecting the nitty gritty on topics such as anime and manga, voice actors and the pop culture convention scene with the occasional guest. So come join us on this crazy journey to develop a greater understanding of this amazing, amazing community. Just a small disclaimer that anything mentioned in this podcast are all unofficial opinions based on our own personal experiences and thoughts. Due to this, we will primarily be discussing the Australian scene, but feel free to let us know about your experiences as well. So, without further ado, Mai, what have you been up to lately? It's another I... episode, another day, another episode. <laughs> um, I haven't really been doing much, I've got to say. I think we were discussing this earlier as well, but what have we been doing? Um, You saw the Demon Slayer movie though, didn't you? Mm, yes, 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 recently. Um. Madman were so kind to send me some tickets and I actually was able to go see it twice. <laughs> twice? Oh, twice. lucky you. I didn't post about the second time because, like, you know how you watch a movie for the first time and you're kind of, like, so, like, wow about, I mean, like, for some movies you're not really, like, wowed about anything, but, like, for, for this particular, you know, like, the the Mugen train I was very excited to see this because it's one of my favorite arcs in the manga and yeah it's got some of my most favorite characters and I was just like very overwhelmed it's a little bit overwhelming when you've got like an amazing series like Demon Slayer you know like Kimetsu no Yaiba and on top of that it's like Euphotable who's doing all the animation it was it was a yeah, lo- it's yeah. like it's a feast for the eyes it's a lot so like seeing it that second time just kind of allows you to like pick out the little details that you might have missed it was it was a pretty good movie like i'll try not to spoil it too much but um maybe we'll have to bleep me out if i talk about things but please just expect <laughs> spoilers um but if you haven't yeah. seen the movie guys or if it's not out in your area or country yet please 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 read the manga first and then i highly recommend you go watch it <laughs> Actually, you don't have to read the manga, I reckon, to watch That's it. True. If you were originally the anime fan, like, um, you could do it the opposite way around as well. I particularly like both the way the manga and the the movie depicted that art. Yeah, so, like the try and do both regardless of what order. I reckon. Yeah, the the movie definitely gave you a little bit more than what was in the manga. I feel mm. it also cut out like a bit more of that, like not gore aspect, but a bit more of the confronting scenes. Like, you know, where Tanjiro, yeah, um, yeah, low key kills himself, but uh, <laughs> in his dream, yeah. look, we'll try not to give too much away, but it cuts out some of that more uh, confront the confronting imagery. Um, but overall, like, overall, man, that last few minutes of the movie uh, my favorite because I you guys know my nose like everybody knows I'm a huge like voice actor fan like Japanese voice yeah. actors I I follow them like religiously and I was very very pleasantly surprised when I found out that one of my favorite characters was voiced by Ishida Akira who I'm 
mm-hmm. a huge fan of. Like, I lost my mind. I immediately, like, texted Mai after the movie and screamed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually forgot they cast him for that role. So I, I was sitting yeah. in the cinema and I was just like, oh! <gasps> Wow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they announced the cast as well before the movie went out and I didn't did. even look at it. I didn't see it because I was like, oh, yeah, I already know who majority of the cast is. Like, I don't have to know all of it. And I totally forgot he appears at the end. So the character in question that we're talking about is Akaza and he appears at the end of the movie. And I was like, I did not see this coming. This is too much for me to handle right now. Like I'm so overwhelmed by the movie already. And then this happens. I was like, oh, it was overall a very, very good movie. Like the soundtrack in particular was one of the highlights for me. Like so emotion inducing. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm. Even the song by Lisa as well. Lisa. Lisa. I was so proud of Lisa when she won the record title mm. for The Nation. She was the highest sales and um, most recognized record maker for 2020. So definitely, definitely proud of her. And that's above all the other J-pop idols and singers as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's a, a very Demon Slayer year mm-hmm, last mm-hmm. year yeah um for sure yeah like whilst you did that i sat around at home (laughs) just uh being very jealous (laughs) over the people in sydney who managed to get an yeah i did see that happen actually so it's really interesting as well especially obviously after 2020 has happened for all of us around the world it really has especially affected our community you know the anime manga cosplay community it really has affected that because our events are so big, one, there's always so many people attending. It just kind of, I mean, it has been kind of a good break. I feel like for me, coming from a cosplayer perspective, like you can kind of slow down, be a little bit more like my pace about it. But um, it for sure has affected our community on a pretty large scale. Not yeah. I agree with you, my though. I'm very jealous that, they were able to do a convention in Sydney. Yeah. And it looks like like all the um, precautions and everything were in place as well. Yes, so. it looks like it. The road ahead looks promising. It was nice yeah. and spacious. Um, I saw that they'd had the pumps at the beginning as like in the the entrances as well. Yeah, the hand sanitizer. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a lot of the exhibitors had their own versions of their hand sanitizer booths as well, sections as well. So um, I think everyone's being extra careful I don't know when Oz Comic Con usually is in Melbourne, but um, uh, Sydney is um, normally in October, so it was a delayed. Oh, Oz really? Comic-Con. Yeah. Oh, okay. So for us, Oz Comic Con in Melbourne nowadays is usually it's still around the June period, so like at the oh, okay. beginning of winter season. Yeah, it's still yeah, it's still usually around June. So for Melbourne, I think at this stage, like most of the conventions aren't really going ahead, but yeah. we did just have. Uh, the PAX announcement for the PAX gaming convention um, for Melbourne that's scheduled for October, like the first week of October. So I'm really interested to see how that will go and whether it will actually go ahead because there was other talks of like the big convention venues in Melbourne becoming like potential vaccination sites as well for 
obviously like dealing with covid so it's so either scaled yeah. down or a new location yeah scaled down or new location potentially so i think that'll be really interesting to yeah. see like what they end up doing with it mm. hopefully by october though we can all be hopeful right that we'll be able to get yeah. to regular schedules yeah yeah like i mean of course the new normal in the world at the moment is very very different from what we're used mm. to but this is the normal for what's happening currently in the world so it'll take a bit of to getting used to um and obviously everybody's got to be real cautious about it we've all got to do our own part you know um but i'm hopeful that conventions will come back full swing same 100%. Same. Mm, mm. Yeah. I'm very excited for the day they do. Can't wait to see you guys again at a convention. That's all I can say. Same. Gosh, I can't wait to catch up with everybody. Like conventions, like we discussed in, I think it was like episode one, my, but um, conventions are kind of those like little bits within the year where you can kind of go to a convention and catch up with friends that you haven't seen like for an entire year. So I'm definitely craving that at the moment. Yeah, could you imagine? Normally we only have a couple of months or like a year's worth to catch up on. This time we've got like a whole two years to catch oh up Oh my on. gosh, actually though. <laughs> actually though, it's insane. <laughs> Anyways, um, so you're listening into episode number six and in the spotlight today is Muggy or the English title Muggy the Labyrinth of Magic. For those of you who aren't familiar with Muggy, Muggy is a fantasy adventure series based around a number of a, a number of a thousand and one Arabian Nights stories. It was a long-run manga of 37 volumes by Shinobu Otaka and had two seasons of anime adaptations. And Rai and I are just so excited to talk to you about another one of our favorite series. Small disclaimer, as Rai's already said previously, if we do talk about a particular series, um, We'll try not to focus on the story. We'll try and focus more on how we experience it, experienced it as fans. However, spoiler warnings, we'll probably get carried away knowing us and we may do some spoilers accidentally. So sorry about that in advance. And so, Rai? So am I. <laughs> how much of it do you remember? It was so long ago, but it doesn't feel that long ago. Like the manga was 2009 to 2017. And the anime was 2012 to 2014. Like, seriously, okay. how much do you remember? Okay, so we talked a little bit about this before the podcast, you know, like, do, like you guys probably don't know this or haven't seen really the behind the scenes of what happens. But before we do our podcast uh, recording, usually we kind of have like a little briefing, catch up with each other and just sort of... Um, discuss like the points that we might be talking about so we don't go off track too much but honestly like um, I was talking to Mai about this earlier and because the like we didn't realize how long ago Maki had like finished and aired like if you think about it the manga ended in 2017 that was four years ago it's insane like it didn't really feel that long ago for me I know that for sure and like maybe because and same with the anime it was like 2012 to 2014 so it was like yeah. a pretty recent like that's pretty recent to me anyway um and i think cuz it was so prominent in my high school life like oh yeah fair enough yeah it was it was definitely one of those series that has a very special place in my heart for sure it's funny you say i can probably remember a lot yeah but 
Fair enough. Like, it's it's funny you say recent, though, because it is recent, but it's also how much has gone on in our lives since 2017 to now that maybe those things recent. have overridden our memories. <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. Like, I'm not going to uh, deny that. When was the Fate Booth, the gra- Fate Grand Order experience started again? It's around that period, isn't it? It was actually around that period, so it would have been 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not surprised if we've forgotten about it, Rice. So much. It was so busy in the past three, four years. Like, it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> like, I think, my, we're going to actually need a fate counter at this stage because, like, every time we've gone into an episode, it's like, yeah, we're talking about this today, but, like, don't forget about fate. <laughs> I'll keep my mouth shut now. <laughs> we're gonna try <laughs> we'll, we'll try keep to muggy although um i can see us straining off again um to our usual topic in the hundred while <laughs> i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty i guess ironic that you mentioned that because both worlds are you know sort of that uh magical like fantasy setting like definitely you know involves that kind of like you know not higher being, but like higher being, greater power, those kind of vibes. And I think that's probably why we we vibe with this series so much as well. Like it's... Yeah, yeah. Like mm. even if when you look at FGO, they do have um, sections based around the 1001 Arabian Nights stories as well. So yes. I think that sort of looking at the different ways they were adapted also is probably something that I personally was interested in when I was reading Muggy. Because I was already mm-hmm. playing um, FGO at the time, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, what were the things that really got you into Maggie? Well, actually, let me quickly backtrack my oh, okay, for two seconds. How did you get into Maggie? That's what I'm interested in. How did I get into Maggie? Ah, because I don't know if you remember. Because I definitely don't really remember how I got into it. <laughs> do remember i actually do remember oh yeah yeah Um, yeah, yeah. so in japan every year i don't know who does Mm. it but there's a committee of people who votes who sort of like looks at the manga that's in japan running now and then for that year they'll pick someone as a winner on the most influential or the most inspiring manga um for that year and um prior to magi i'd started uh Shingeki no Kyojin the same way mm-hmm. Attack yeah. on Titan to me was the same way I started it I looked at the rankings and I saw this um page in there because they print out a book for the rankings every year to introduce oh, okay. the manga they've had and um with Attack on Titan I opened it and I saw that uh, scene where Eden as a titan is punching another titan and it was just oh yeah I looked at it and went wow so I went around the same lines from there because I wanted to pick up a new manga and I wanted new inspiration. So I picked up, um, I think it's two years later, I picked up the same book that they printed with the rankings and Maggi was in there as their recommended oh. one for that year. Maggi um, was probably on its around seventh or eighth book at that time when I picked it up. But yeah. I like fantasy in general, so mm-hmm. and I like the idea Same. that they adapted the Arabian Night stories, and I like that sort of thing. I've always liked, you know, for example, the Disney Aladdin or, mm-hmm. like, the concept of jinns. So I read it, and then I just got hooked. It was very yeah. well written. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely 
Like, if I had to, like, absolutely try to pinpoint how I picked it up, I think it would have been, like, back around that period, like, 2009 onwards. Like, I was really more so into reading manga Mm. than consuming, like, anime. Like, anime at the time, there was a lot of great stuff out, and it was sort of that era where anime was starting to gain like prominence and like yes. the studios were getting better and there was more studios like the animation was like stepping up it was a pretty significant time period for like that part of development in in our community and yeah but at the time because I would binge through things so quickly I was just always looking for new things to read or like and reading was just like my quiet time like it was the downtime that I would like read in you know just to relax and kind of chill out and I think I might have like seen maybe one of the cut like the first cover for the first Mm. like manga series somewhere and I was like oh I wonder what that is and yeah I I saw it on one of the websites where you can buy like the physical manga because personally for me I prefer reading a physical manga like it's just it's a different it hits differently guys it's a whole different experience (laughs) to just like flipping through an app you know um but definitely back then I saw it and I was like oh okay and I think it was like up to like the 12th volume that had come out yeah at that period so I just picked up all 12 of them got them and I like sat there for a couple hours just binging through all of them and that's how I got hooked I didn't actually know that it was like even at that time because obviously the anime came out a few years later like I didn't know that it was going to get an anime adaption but apparently the anime adaption was really hyping up because the the series was getting so popular yeah so that was that was news to me and I remember looking at the characters and this is the thing that I did with Kuroko as well <laughs> but I looked at the characters and um you just kind of know like if you're particularly into voice actors you kind of just <laughs> know like you look at a character and you'll be like oh yeah this is gonna be their voice yeah 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 and yeah, I managed yeah, to pick yeah. out quite a few people that ended up getting casted later on in the anime so I was very excited about that yeah that, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. For me, Honor D was that one, yeah. <laughs> Honor D, yes! Honor D comes through! Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, Simbad was either going to be Honor D or Sakurai, so... <laughs> that's true. That is yeah. true. We ended up getting Sakurai too, but like... Yes, yes, yes. Close good. enough, close enough. Very but yeah, yeah, no, I totally feel what you mean. Um, There was definitely some great cast in there, but we can talk about that. We'll in- talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you were also saying that um, I actually didn't know it until you mentioned it, right? But oh. the author is female? Yeah, okay. So this is a thing that I always I, – I find myself more often than not nowadays, like, paying attention to, and especially back then with mm. Margie. Like, it would have been around the time as well that, like, the big three, you know, like, when we talk about the big three, it would be, like, Naruto, Bleach, and One Piece. Yeah. Right? Like, for that period of time, that would have been the big three. And we talk about those series and, like, you know, those big shonen series. And Maggie's actually a shonen series. Like, it's a shonen series, mm. um, for those of you who don't know. But it's just very rare that you find that kind of case where a big, like, very popular shonen series is written by a woman. And that, to me, when I was first sort of researching the series, because after I'd read it, I was like, you want to know more. Like, if it's a series you enjoy, you just 
natural progression kind of takes you to research it and to find out more about it and who wrote it and stuff like that. Well, for me anyway, don't know about you guys, but like for me, it's definitely like that. And that was one of the things that has like, that has like stuck with me for as long as I've read the series is that it was written by a woman in, in a, in a period where obviously the industry was more dominated by male authors. Like, I think that's a really big feat and such an accomplishment to create such a big series yes specifically with shonen series yeah with shonen series especially because they are more targeted towards guys traditionally you know like just like just traditionally yeah traditionally we're using these terms very loosely guys so please no flaming (laughs) yeah well it it was the case when it was at least the industry first started um if anything which is why we say traditionally Mm. um based on the terms shonen manga manga for shonen's boys and then shoujo manga shonen for sorry Mm -hmm. manga for girls so it was that's why we call them as such Mm. in japanese so um traditionally that was the idea but i don't think that is the case anymore with our current modern times like i read anything and everything and i'm pretty sure you do too right oh definitely 100 percent, 100 percent. i think also it was also um rare in the case of muggy the fact that it was uh printed in a magazine called shonen sunday so it's different again from jump series and um I'm actually not sure how many Shonen Sunday series were written by females. Um, not that many from memory. And like, Magi as well was one of those series where like, there was a huge mixed bag for audience. Like a lot of people enjoyed it regardless mm. whether they knew like who wrote the series or not like it was so vastly popular i definitely know for sure like when it hit western audiences it was an instant hit here like people picked it up really really quickly yeah and i think like hearing from what you said it was also quite popular in japan like i definitely saw it online when like you know obviously like reading a manga is one thing and of course you have a small community there when you start reading a manga but it's only when it hits mainstream as an anime that like people start noticing it because obviously it's a it's a form of media that is a bit easier to consume in that sense you know like people are more um inclined to watch a series rather than read it yeah yeah I think it's more accessible as mm. well because manga isn't always officially uh, localized. Yes, absolutely. But anime might be subtitled, yeah. which might be easier to approach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, um, yeah, like I know a few female authors, even in Jump. Like, I mean, um, Miu always draws, Miu, who does our podcast art, um, draws and talks about d gray man a lot and we know that mm. d gray man's author is female but yes there's a few more that i can think of in jump but i really didn't know any m- many i should say in shonen sunday maybe if i look it up and look into it there'll be more there somewhere mm, but yeah. at least publicly revealed there's definitely not that many not so as many yeah it's interesting to know that um muggy is written by a female author and it kind of makes sense because I don't know about you. I'm going to open a can of worms here. I don't know about you. Oh, yes. Can of worms. Juicy. Let's go. I find that female characters written by male authors, not all the time, but a lot of the times are really bland. Yeah, I feel that. (laughs) We're going to take this example from one of my favorite series, Naruto. 
Oh. We just I'm I'm here to flame a series I really love, okay? Like this is this is how you know you love a series because you can see how good it is and you can still hold it close to your heart, but you can also at the same time point out its many yeah. flaws, you know, or or the flaws that it has. But I agree wholeheartedly with my female characters that are written by male authors this is by the way guys this is um you know very quick disclaimer very generalized use of terms and obviously like my said in our modern you know society at the moment like you know things are changing for the better so this is just speaking purely based on sort of that time period but you know there are still things that happen like that these days but it's getting better uh, we are hopeful, but I definitely find that I can relate more to female characters that are written by like female authors. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we. If you have any opinions or you've got some other examples you want to discuss, feel free to. Like, I'm pretty sure there might be the opposite where some of our male listeners might be saying the opposite, where the a female author might write some really bland male characters as well. So yeah, absolutely. Both ways. Yeah, so it's not that we're saying that male authors are bad or anything like that. It's just a trend we've noticed, and I'm sure there's the opposite as well. But because Ryan and I read a lot of shonen manga, these are the things that we do notice, yeah. Yeah, but 100%. Like, we are absolutely open to discussion. We encourage it, in mm-hmm. fact. Um, so feel free to leave a comment in the Twitter post we make later, guys. We'd love to hear your thoughts, 100%. Like, as always with every single episode, like, we haven't really opened that many can of worms yet, Yet. (laughs) but that is definitely coming very, very soon. So feel free to discuss, you know, healthy discussions. We're all about that here. Yes. Having said that, though, um, I might skip a couple of topics because we've just talked about characters. Was there any particular characters that was memorable to you? I feel like a lot of the... It was probably a combination of characters, like reading them, obviously, in the manga, like being 2D form and you kind of um, see how they interact with each other. Um, and kind of their views and values, they were all very memorable. Like, even some of the smaller side characters are quite memorable. Yeah, that's true. Like, based on certain lines that they've said or what they've talked about. Um, like, it, it's kind of that instance where, I guess kind of, like, similar with One Piece. Like, not really, but kind of where, like, there's, like, a small filler character and then they still have significance, like, later on down the track. It's a little bit like that. So a lot of the characters really, really made a good impression on me. Like, it's definitely memorable for its characters, in my opinion. I agree with that. Like, I think with the side characters in particular that I really enjoyed... um seeing come out constantly in the series was mm. um what was his name um Baba's best mate <laughs> um oh um Ka- Karim. Kasim yeah Kasim Kasim yeah 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 he because he was voiced by Fukujuna I believe <laughs> I'm not surprised you remember that yeah okay, that's fair enough yeah Kasim was a character that really stood out not because he was the bad guy or because he was Adi Baba's best friend. Like, those are part of him. But it's more his relationship with 
Alibaba and how much it influenced the characterization of Alibaba and his growth as well. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah you guys can't see this right now, but I'm like completely agreeing with my, you know, like I'm moving my hands, everything's everywhere. But like, I think on what my said about how like this, the, the more supporting characters influence you can, and you can really see the influence and kind of the impact that they make on like the more major characters is so great. Like it really feels like the world is very grounded, very real. And it's not like, oh, they're just a fleeting person I've passed. Yes. You know, in this moment in time, it's it's like, you know, there is a there is a connection there to build, you know, and to explain, like, why some of the major characters are how they are. Like, I think for me, the one that really made an impression, aside from Cassian, was when they talked about... Uh, when, uh, when Kyogoku was introduced... Mm-hmm um from the 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 ren empire love it a bit she she kind of comes off as like this like damsel in distress like princess that doesn't really know how to do things um but you there's a whole arc in the manga that really made an impression on me was you know she has a bunch of followers i guess like you would call them servants or attendants attendants i think is probably the better word but um you know and her right hand man like they tell the whole story of you know like how she's a compassionate person who picked them up basically off the streets and gave them a place within her her guard like her family so like that that made a big impression on me and it's it's i really like how the author has has done that to build up the characters. Like it gives them, it just gives them a little bit more that you have to like, you know, fall in love with these characters. I totally agree with you. Like uh, this is probably one of our other dot points, but um, one thing that really struck me about Muggy, especially because this is before Demon Slayer came out as well, was that every character has a background. Every character has a reason. Every character has a story. Mm. And the, one of the major themes that Muggy really, really tackles, and I think it's really real to our real life as well, is the concept of what's right and what's wrong. Who's right, who's wrong. Yet there's always a reason for why someone is right or why someone is wrong. And it's always comes from the other side characters or their past or something that's happened yes. that makes them who they are and therefore they think this or they act this or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you like a really clear picture on like why these characters have made certain choices. And I think at the time, because like a lot of Shonen series like didn't really focus on like, they were just like, okay, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. You have to love these guys and you hate the other ones. Like it was very kind of almost black and white in that sense. And they didn't really give much substance to the, the quote unquote, like evil characters Mm. or the villains. So I agree with my, like, that's why I really enjoyed Margie because it gave also very clear background story. And I feel like it's not just only me. I feel like some of you guys can probably also agree, but like, it's 
like when a villain gets introduced, like you are already instantly intrigued about like who they are, like what their motive is, like why is their motive like this, like what made them like this. But some of those questions are never really answered in a series. Mm. So the way that Margie went about it, like you can feel, I mean, you can hate a villain, right? Like I'm not saying you can't, but you can empathize also with what has made them you know make all of these choices up until this point like you know and you can see that kind of struggle and you know the pain that they've gone through and I think that makes them very very real you know I agree it's 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 oh so good this series guys (laughs) if you haven't watched it if you haven't read it I highly highly recommend I am sure Maya is the exact same we can highly recommend it it is an oldie kind of but a real goodie like Mm. yeah highly recommend please try read it as well I understand if you want to watch the anime but the anime only does so much for example I mentioned Alibaba's episode with Kasim but um, Kasim comes out so much more later that they never covered in the anime and the more you read it especially towards the end when Kasim comes sort of like the memories come up and um, just that whole thing with Alibaba I'm trying not to spoil it here it's uh, it gets better it gets better like it really strucks you um, as Alibaba has more depth in his character than you initially thought yeah and like season two of the anime also um i'm gonna point that my favorite arc is actually in season two of the anime which is the magnostat arc where they go to the country of magic um Mm -hmm. that i remember i forgot his name is it mogamet the the guy who runs the school in magnostat oh yeah he was a fantastic enemy in that yeah He had an amazing, amazing story arc as well. I so remember that in the manga. Like, I read that and I was like, holy shit. Like, it's there's so many instances in the manga, which is why we recommend reading the manga first. Like, but there is so many instances that the author has done so well in giving that background story to all of the characters and, like, why they make those choices. It's just, like... It makes you really understand the situation that the characters are in a lot better. It gives you definitely that extra, like, added oomph into the story that's like, wow. Yep, I agree. Like, there's so much I could mention also from, like, after that arc, but... um, I agree, yeah. Well, it heaps. (laughs) Yeah, up until you brought that up, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I remember that. um, (laughs) I remember that that arc in the manga yeah because i remember reading that it's like very very vivid in my in my mind how important that 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 was yes yes it's it was really big like um i like we were talking about like favorite female characters and i, I do like kogyoku and i do like um uh, yamuraiha and yamuraiha's past is in magnestad so it's yeah it came to me immediately like that's definitely one of my favorite arcs um as a yes. whole arc um just because of how how it all developed and why things developed that way. And, yeah, I'm really going to shut my mouth before I say too much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. I swear. <laughs> uh, well, 
I mean, we discussed at the moment a lot of what we've liked so far, but my, here's a question for you. Was there anything that you didn't really like? Like, I'm opening this can of worms fully. <laughs> can I tell you that, okay, I've seen both, I've read the manga and watched the anime. Uh-huh. Same. And it took me a while to warm up to the anime. Mm-hmm. So already a fan of the manga going into the anime i was totally hyped about the anime yeah i agree same maybe i expected too much of it but personally it wasn't what i thought it was gonna be i'll 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 give it and say i'm not an animator i'm not a director i'm not a producer i can see where they were going with it but it just personally was not my taste Uh uh-huh and um it took me a while mainly i know the cast was great but it oh, took me a while to warm cast. up to the some of the characters and their voices ah who in particular i'm so curious about this personally okay um personally it took me a long time to get used to Baba. that is fair yeah he's a bit jarring in the anime when you first meet him i'm not gonna lie because he he really comes off, like, because it's Kaji as well, he yes. comes off as an absolute dumb blonde. Like, that is the that is the only way I can describe him. And I think Mai will know what I'm talking about too. Or anybody who's listening in on the podcast will know what I'm talking about. But, like, initially, he's just the type of character that you're like, oh, he's a dumb blonde and that's it. That's mm. all there is to him. There's no substance to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I don't think it actually helped that um, a lot of Muggy didn't have, like, the background music was rather subtle. So you focus a lot on the voice, a lot. So mm. if in your mind, for example, because I'd read the manga first, you had a particular voice in mind for a particular character and they come out with a completely different voice and there's no background noise or sound effects to go with it, you only focus on the voice. And I say that by saying I love Kaji-san. I think he's extremely talented. I think he's a fantastic voice oh, actor. Oh, yeah, 100%. But in the beginning, it just did take a bit for me to warm up to. Yeah. Yeah. I must agree in, like, taking a bit to warm up because obviously when you read the manga, there's no, you know, there's no audio cue for you to be like, mm. oh, this is the characters talking or this is what they would sound like. But, like, my impression of Alibaba from the manga was, like, he was a little bit more toned down than what Kaji brought to the table so i also had a bit of like a oh like a bit of a oh a shock like yeah when i first heard his voice like i was like i didn't expect that like i don't know who i would have picked for alibaba maybe like kaki i feel like like kakihara like probably but i had a slightly lower tone in my mind yeah or more lower toned yeah both Kaki and Kaji to me, when they do their like, um, when they do their, like their little jokes or like when they're having a bit of a play and things like that, their pitch goes really high. Yes. I think yes. that's what put me off. Yeah. Mm. So Mom, I had to retry that. What was that? Oh, do you all, don't say do you all. Sorry. Uh, oh shit, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put this in. <laughs> I just realized what I said. Um, it's, uh, um, uh, it's distracted you. me from enjoying the acting. <laughs> oh my god, right? 
Oh, oh my if God. you guys want to know what Maya said, please check out our bloopers on Twitter. Uh, I will be sure to post it there. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways, so moving forward. Um, yeah. Yes. What about you? What Was there anything that you didn't like in particular? Um, I feel like, okay, we're going to talk about this. I will open this can of worms. We are opening a lot of can of worms today, but the ending, so like the last couple of arcs towards the ending just really was very rushed one because they were rushing to finish the series. Yeah. As as is with a lot of like the longer form series, like the the um producers or whatever will always rush the author a little bit. But it was definitely very rushed and a lot of things kind of didn't add up to what she was saying in the beginning, which kind of confused me. Um and it and it kind of felt like the story veered off its original path a little bit. That's what it felt like to me. So yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the things I didn't really enjoy about the series. Like, the, as usual, the ending could have been better. It really could have been better. Um, yeah, like, what did you think about the ending, Might? So this is the manga, isn't it? Um, yeah, the manga. I can see what they were trying to do. Um, and that whole thing with, with uh, I'll say Sinbad. Um, I won't say the other person. Um, Sinbad at the end and the the where they kind of flip back and forth between the control um it was very confusing yeah I feel that like Sinbad as a character I was always suspicious at the beginning yeah you know like you can just tell you can just tell when someone is a bit sus like when a character is a bit sus like and I had that like inkling of a feeling i was like he is not a good guy but he's not exactly a bad guy either but he's definitely teetering on that edge of being a bad guy like or being a villain like you know it's just like something about his like maybe low-key psychotic vibe that he gave me that i was like (laughs) this man has an agenda and he will do anything to fulfill it like which is very true for his character yeah i think i feel like i think um Sinbad in particular is a very, very strong symbol of what is right and wrong. Yes. and He's a very complex character. Extremely complex. And if any of you have read the spin-off, um, Adventure of Sinbad as well, um, he's a different character there again because it's him growing up to be yeah. what he is. Who he is. In, his yeah. past in Muggy. They only do his past in The Adventure of Sinbad. But, yeah, I can see what they were trying to do. It was really confusing, probably because they rushed it more than anything. Yeah, definitely. There wasn't enough time. Yeah. I think there was a couple of battles cut short, too, from memory, from that section. I think Hakuryu, for in particular, had his battle cut short, or it yeah. happened, or something like that. And I think Aribaba was meant to have a couple more fights or at least they hinted a few more fights uh-huh. but they uh-huh. didn't happen so i think if they slowed it down a lot more it would have been easier to appreciate understand and fully yeah. comprehend but then that happened yeah so i don't really know what else i can say about it to be honest 
I was kind of hoping that they would do an adaptation of the anime till all the way to the end, so. and they'll yeah. fill up the end um, with yeah. the anime because they had to rush the manga, kind of like how mm, they did mm, Yu Yu Hakusho, where the final arc in Yu Yu Hakusho was more in full in the anime than it was in the manga. Yeah, I think it's it's when it's one of those instances I'm more. Um, I guess open to an anime only, like an anime original yeah. ending, because it's just kind of like the manga didn't really give you much to go off in terms of ending, and it was very much like, oh, it's a kind of bit like blase. Here it is. Mm. This is the ending. This is what they're gonna do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably one of the things I didn't like. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like by saying that, we I understand that. We both understand that because it's a weekly manga. The way they run the schedule and who has to end their manga, who who's new, who's coming in, and things like that. It's not really mm-hmm. up to the author to balance that. So we understand when it's rushed at the end. We understand what happened. But again, because we're fans as well, we would like to see sort of like it being of filled. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, or what the author originally had intended to end the series with. Like... Because I feel like when it's coming from a creative perspective, like, I could imagine how unsatisfied, like, an author would be if they have a whole story planned out in their brains. And, like, you could really tell from, like, how she wrote the the manga and, like, what was actually the content of the manga that, like, she had a lot planned out. Like, there was a lot still before the end. Yeah, unfortunately, mangakas, the the authors don't really get a say in when they get to end the series. So you have the instances of, for example, I know um, publicized um, the the authors of Dragon Ball and Bleach have been loud, have spoken out that they had to extend the series against their will. And then you also have the obvious cases where it was cut short against their will, for example. Yes. Uh, I could definitely tell that with, for example, Shaman King. because oh, Demon Slayer is also another one. Yeah, fair enough. That got absolutely cut short. Yeah. Um, they didn't get to finish their story the way they want. Um, and Shaman King in particular didn't have an ending, by the way. So that's how you can tell. Oh. It didn't finish. Oh. So if you want to read the manga for Shaman King, make sure you read the reprints, not the original prints, because there's a book and a half missing from there. Oh, fair. Um, very unhappy, which is why this new season coming up better fulfill that. So that that's just as a fan, but I'll I'll stop there. I read a lot of Shonen Jump, so I know how it works. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, if you, I suppose if you are interested in how weekly manga works and you want to see why things are cut off short or have to be extended, I'd read Bakuman if I were you. Bakuman goes behind Shonen Jump, and two mangakas who talk about a way a manga is published onto Shonen Jump. So that's hmm. interesting as well. And it's going back onto the thing with Muggy. Um, yeah, that was definitely the case with the last two arcs. You could tell with Muggy. I wanted to see more. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely had more to offer, yeah. like 100%. You could see it. How could you in particular, I think, had a whole new, had a whole arc, I reckon, for himself, but they didn't really go into depth. They didn't really. Ex- so he is definitely one of my favorite characters yeah. in the series. Like, I love how. 
I guess purposeful fear like you know that his vengeance mission is essentially is what it is like I love a good like what are they called he's not an antagonist he's an anti-hero I would say he's an anti-hero yeah I love a good anti-hero because like they're usually very very complex and it's always interesting to see what kind of choices they make but like they kind of just swept him under the rug. So at one point you saw him, he was like a cute cinnamon roll. And then the next point that you saw him, he was like cool, dark and edgy. You know what I mean? Like he kind of just, yeah, like he went from one point, like point A to point B real quick. And you kind of didn't know what happened in between. Like, I don't think it was just me who felt that. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to get over that. I know where you're coming from, though. That, that, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, I think I think he definitely deserved a little bit more. Um, mm. And it was kind of never really explained. Like, his relationship with Jodal was a bit like... Mm. Like, it was a bit like, eh, but also, like, I understood. But also, I feel like I needed more to it. Judal was an interesting character too, I have to say, now that you've mentioned that. I mm. would have liked to have seen a bit more about him. but More about him too, yeah. I don't think we could have either with the way they were describing his background. I think that was the best yeah. they could do. And yeah. he's one of those characters where his history is not that deep, but he's mm. a strong character. So that's an interesting yeah. aspect about a partic- about some people as well, even in our real lives. So um, it's interesting that the author managed to depict all these different kinds of characters in all their different depths and made them real for those reasons as well. There, there is an extensive cast of characters. I think that's the other thing that most people don't understand is that Margie has a very, very extensive list of characters, like not just main characters, but also um you know this in the side characters as well like it there's a lot like there is a lot it's not it's not kind of like demon slayer where there's literally 12 characters and those are the only ones that are important there is like a whole collection of characters and each of them are equally as important as each other so many characters like they all have their own part to play in the series yeah 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 um yeah and speaking of so many characters it means the cast was absolutely huge as well like all the voice actors in there I reckon were I mean it did take a while for me to warm up to them but I still think they had they got some pretty good voice actors they they had such a great extensive collection of voice actors the cast was pretty fantastic in my opinion like it's there was it was that time period where there were a lot of rising stars so like kaji was new and upcoming like definitely gaining more popularity um who else was who else was kimura as well kimura would have been gaining definitely more popularity not from just doing like otome games like but in mainstream anime um i always forget morigiana was voiced by um tomats haruka yes <laughs> um because to me her my image of her in sao is so strong as asana i don't 
Like, she's replaced okay. Morgiana in my mind. Okay. So, when I first heard of Tomatsu Haruka, she was in Star Driver. And oh. she was a nobody back then. Oh. Yeah, she was fish girl. Okay. So, if you guys don't know what Star Driver is, I don't know why it became so popular in Australia, but it's this, like... Um, mech sci-fi series that absolutely made no fucking sense at all but i highly recommend you guys watch it still because it's really funny (laughs) i never watched it i couldn't get with the hype it had it had a fantastic cast and i don't know why it was so hyped up i think it was just it's just kind of one of those series that's super memey yeah like you watch it for the memes basically like mamo and fukujun were the main characters Mm. Mm. that's an intense cast already but um, yeah, she was in that, and then she kind of like w- went very silent for a bit, but never really rose up again. I don't know. For me personally, I don't really pay attention to that many um female voice actors because I just they all sound the same to me, unless it's my waifus <laughs> <laughs> fight me. But like, yeah, she kind of just you know, was off the radar for a bit and then I didn't hear anything of her until probably about Maggie mm. and then obviously Sal around the same period too. Yeah. yeah, very same period. It's the same year that they started, so it makes total sense. Mm. Like, I know she did a lot. It's just um nothing that I watched and her, my image of her as Asuna from SAO is just so strong. Mm. So strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of her more prominent series, that's for sure. Well, it was a worldwide sensation, so I think that was the reason. Yeah. As well. Like, Maggie is one of those. I think we talked about this before, Rai, with underrated series. Maggie is definitely one of them. It's it was one of popular, those. but it's not, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it's it definitely. So in the West, it was definitely popular. Like I know in, um, like, yeah, it was very very popular in the West. Like. In, in the US, I know in Brazil it was super popular, I don't yeah. know why, but it, it, and even in Australia, it really picked up for, for quite a while, I would say, but it's... Australia was a funny I one. It, I thought it was, mm, a, I felt like it was a generational thing as well. Like, I, I think it might have been, been. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm not saying that it's only for a certain generation but i think it was more popular for your generation than mine right it's what it felt like because all the cosplay mm. that was doing muggy in um in australia Bahamu, was your generation i think so yeah it would have been it would have been my generation yeah. for sure like yeah at least in the cosplay i mean Cosplay community-wise, it would have been me and then also partly your generation, so the one above me. Like, because I remember Kay. <laughs> Kay did so much Margie back true. in the day. Like, I remember seeing it on DeviantArt and it was just... Kay is, by the way, one of our, uh, like, really, really close friends. Very dear friends. She's one of the Australian reps for our WCS team uh, back in... 2019. Don't quote me, so I don't know. <laughs> don't quote me on this, guys. I don't know. I'm just so out of it. But Kay, yeah, she's she she's such a dear friend of ours. I remember Kay back then. So at, at that time, at that at that point in time, I think I only really knew of Kay. I wasn't actually like friends with her, Mm-mm. but 
she did so much Margie on DeviantArt. Like I was like yeah. all up in that because I was such a huge fan of Margie and I'd only just gotten into the cosplay like not that long ago around the start of, you know, when Margie started. And it was just amazing to see like it, it all the kind costumes. of felt like K it's sort of like the the muggy community cosplay community was dragged by k that's what it felt like to me yeah it felt a little bit like that especially in australia yeah, yeah which is why that. a lot of the people in your generation was highly influenced by muggy because mm. k was like the leader of it that's what yeah it like. yeah yeah like for me it was definitely a thing because i also really really loved the yeah. series but it was just like and then obviously when the anime came out a yeah. bit later it kind of resurfaced mm. Um, yeah, I think yeah, anime did sure. help, I think, um, with it coming into Australia. Mm, for sure. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, because I think this era was when manga localization was still building up to where it is now, mm. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. But the cast. Yeah. You were saying. The yeah. cast. So many prominent, like, you know, personalities and talents and a lot of also upcoming talent at the time. Mm. Like, Rumi-chan was also in it, like Okubo Rumi. Mm. She was in it um, and now she is very, very popular, Who very, very famous. She voiced Pisty, oh. but it's like, so one of the household members, but like, for a very tiny section. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, on a D we talked about, Fukujun was in it, Suzuken was in it. Like, Suzuken was a minor character. Um, Suabe was also yeah. a very, very minor character. Like, I don't even think he's listed in the credits. I, he was. But he was, he was, he was, was there. He was, he was. He was there. Yeah. He was there. Um, who else? Uh, uh, Miki, Hanazawa Kawa, oh, yeah, yeah, um, yep. Sugita, Sakurai was in it, Hosoyan, who was also up and rising at the time. Yep. Uh, we also we mentioned Kaji, Kimura, Morikubo was there. Like a lot of the big, big like voice actors nowadays, like were definitely in sort of those more supporting roles. Yeah, that's or even just true. for a little bit. But it had like huge stuff. Like Ishida Akira was in it. Mm. Hirakawa Daisuke, like everyone was in it. I got the impression with Muggy when it first came out was they used um for the main roles they used um a lot of people who were still building up, still building up, or yep. just started in the industry, mm-hmm. and then they surrounded mm-hmm. them with a whole bunch of um people who had been in the industry more experienced yeah yeah which is a typical shonen manga anime approach so yes. um it was a good mix of up and rising stars newbies and everybody's favorites in the cast yeah yes yeah yes. yeah um yeah. and there was that video that you shared with me right <laughs> which is okay guys clear of those <laughs> 
Okay, guys, there is this video, and I'm sure a lot of Marky fans have also seen this video, but it is the greatest thing in existence. I tell you this now. We will link it on our Twitter later, so please make sure you are following us on Twitter at MMI Madness to see the absolute chaotic video that we're going to link. Um, so it is basically really quickly to summarize it. It's it's a live dubbing session that the Marky voice actors did back in 2014 it would have been quite a while ago Mm -hmm. but it's most of the main cast that is there and um it's so it all starts off with morikawa uh who voices ugo one of um you know aladdin's jinn who takes the lead in basically skewing the script and then it's just absolute chaos that follows. Like every time I see this video on my Twitter feed or if I see it somewhere, I have to like retweet it or reshare it because it is (laughs) an absolutely highlight and you can see like how great the chemistry between the cast is as well, which I feel like really made the series. Like the acting was pretty, pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I won't spoil it too much. You kind of just really have to watch it for yourselves and experience it for yourselves, but we'll definitely link it um, on Twitter for you guys. Yeah. It's subtitled as well. So you can appreciate the original voice acting, original, um, the voice actors doing their thing and uh, the the definitions, like what they're actually saying as well. (laughs) It's really funny. It's so funny. Like I showed my, and we just lost it at the beginning when we were doing our briefing. Yeah, I was like, my, we're talking about Maggie. We have to show everyone this video. <laughs> like I'd watched it before because you probably showed me like two years ago, right? But I had to remind you yeah. of what happened. Um, and Mew seen the video too because I'm pretty sure at the time Mew was there with us on voice. I think we all so. Watched it together. I think so. Yeah. I think. I think it might have been that time that we were all on a re- on this Discord chat with like everybody. Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> and we were, yeah, we, I remember we all that. just lost it. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I'll definitely link it for you guys later on the Twitter. Please watch it and um, give us your comments as well. Um, also, if you have any favorite lines from there, you can also share with us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We've got our favorite lines in there as well. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Oh, it was a good video. It was a good video. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, what did you think about the themes where they used um, all the different original stories and all the different adaptations of the original stories? Okay, so I can't really say that I am very aware of or that I have a not- lot of, like, knowledge about the original stories like the 1001 Arabian Nights I don't really know much or if I like if I definitely read it back in the day I probably don't recall much of it yeah but I I don't know I kind of really just enjoyed especially like the themes of like how you were saying how it's such a blurred line between Mm -hmm. the balance of like right and wrong and you can definitely see that like everybody so one of the the main sort of i guess mechanics to the magic in the in the in the world that maggie said in is like i guess they're spirits they're like spiritual energy the the ruhu like the, oh, the, ruhu? the yeah, yeah 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 the rook like they're they're basically these tiny little bird things that represent someone's like 
I want to say spiritual energy, but it's 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 represented as something that can be corrupt depending on the person. So it's not like a person starts corrupted. It's like everybody starts with golden ones and then if you fall into depravity, which is what they call it, which you know, you fall into the darkness. <laughs> if it happens, then your rook turned black. But it's 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 a yeah. And it's it's also you know, it's it's also not discriminatory in the sense that, you know, if a character is set as a villain, for example, like Jadal is, it's not instant that their rook is represented as being black because you can see for him, they're not. They're the original mm. colour. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I, I really like how that was done and how that kind of theme was explored, that everybody has a little bit of like, you know, good and bad in them. It's a balance. And it depends on what choices you make that, you know, to go ahead with with making what's right or wrong or what you believe is right or wrong. It was also interesting with that one because it wasn't necessarily good is white, um, evil mm. is black. There's a reason why the colours change and what the colours represent. Yeah. Like, if you keep reading into it, like, towards, I think it was about, two-thirds into the story you learn a little bit more about the colors and why there are different colors and you realize it's not as easy as good and evil again we're going back to this mm. theme it's very deep it, I thought it was really really interesting I liked reading mm. about it yeah it's still a bit confusing yeah. but I liked reading about it yeah yeah same it gets a bit same, same. confusing That's... too that's definitely one of the things I enjoyed about the themes. And like we were talking about before, how um, even like the smaller minor characters are impacted by this this entire mechanic as well. It's not just the main characters. It's, it's everyone. Like it's everyone has this. And it's not just like very special to the main characters. Like the main characters have more of it, which can then be manifested in, you know, magic basically <laughs> is what it is um to put it in very simple terms but everybody has this yeah this energy yeah yeah i magi to me was it initially got my interest because of the original stories and i like seeing how traditional mm. things are adapted into different ways um but i'm yeah it's um Muggy definitely used inspiration from out of something that already exists, but they took it on a whole new tangent to the point that it kind of doesn't really represent the original except for the names. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Like, they really took that fantasy part of it and ran with it. I totally agree. Like, the mm. Lufu, or I'm really sorry, I don't know the original um, translation. I can't find a phonetic alphabet for it. But they, it's originally apparently from, um, like, old Arabic religions. But in instead of interpreting it in such ways, they made it a completely new thing altogether. It's kind of like how you've got Naruto and Chakra, for example. Yeah. They're related name-wise to something and the concept originally starts from there but then in, within yeah. that world it has a whole new meaning and a whole new depth and I like stories like that like concepts and stories like that which is definitely the reason why I'm into things like fate which is rather similar in that sense yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Without trying to go too much into. <laughs> We're just going to try and avoid fate, I promise. <laughs> uh, I nearly said it earlier before, which is why I had a laugh to myself. But um, I, I'm trying not to, I swear, I swear, I swear. But it's just a very good example of where different stories are adapted into (laughs) modern manga and anime yeah well uh sadly i think that's all the time we have for today uh thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode of match made in madness actually really quickly my we've had some people start calling us (laughs) nim it's which I think is quite cute. cute. But thank you guys so much again for tuning into another episode. Um, In the next episode, so I'm super excited about this one, but we will be discussing one of my very personal favorite voice talents for another voice actor in the Spotlight series, a bit of a drum roll. It's going to be Makoto Furukawa. Um... A lot of my friends and my also know how much I love this man. (laughs) He's definitely one of my favorites, but it's just one more reason to talk about fate. Uh, We'll try not to base it entirely around fate, of course, but it's also to discuss, you know, some of the hidden talent that is within the voice acting industry and, you know, to appreciate that. Also, some people we're going to appreciate next. Mm-hmm. A special thank you to our friends Masaki Sato from Sounds Labs for our music, you know, our jingles. And also to our lovely dear friend Miyukiko for the wonderful podcast cover and Twitter art. So don't forget to go check out Masaki at www.sound-laps.com and Miu on Twitter at Miyukiko. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to check us out on Twitter at MMI Badness, where you can follow us for news about the upcoming episodes. Feel free to tag us using hashtag MMI Madness and hashtag MatchMadeInMadness because we would always, for whatever reason, love to hear any feedback or experiences that you would like to share as well. Um, if you do want to follow us individually, you can check out Rai on Twitter and Instagram via at KNRaiKos and myself on Twitter and Instagram via at Worlds. Sorry, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> um, myself on Twitter and Instagram via at WordsTWorlds. Finally, thank you all so much for listening and sharing your time with us. We can't even express how much we appreciate you guys every single time. Please stay safe and we will catch you in the next episode. Bye, Bye, guys. guys.